0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. from. So if that foot starts leaving the ground this morning, you better just stand up because we're going to have a time, I'm telling you right now. God bless you. Let's all stand as Brother Mason comes. Thank you, Bishop. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? If my foot comes up this morning, you better run. Uh, After two and a half hours of weed eating yesterday, uh, I don't think my foot's going anywhere. I've got his stiffness. but That's all right. We are, as the Bible says, we are not of them that draw back. It's not what I came to preach on this morning, but I want you to know that this morning. This, this came to me in prayer this morning. We are not of them that draw back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not an hour to stop. Uh, if, if, you, if you are getting comfortable in your walk with God today, you need to turn the news on don't stick your head in the sand turn the news channel on and watch it real good for about four or five days that ought to stir you up spiritually the apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church he said be steadfast unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord he didn't want us to stop amen Let's turn to the book of Galatians chapter 4 That's just my, my introduction this morning But I felt that in prayer today I wanted to share that with somebody Hopefully it's helpful to you Because we are living in an hour today Where uh, society as a whole wants to dumb us down uh, They want to take away the things that we've held dear for so many years uh, But let me, let me tell you something the Supreme Court can do whatever they want to That, that doesn't affect my salvation it may it may aggravate me. It may irritate me. Uh, I don't like it. But all it is is fulfillment of the word. And the more we see the word fulfilled, the more we're going to have to endure things we don't like. I didn't like the uh, oh hallelujah. I didn't like the last election. I didn't like the results. I went into depression for three or four days. But it's just fulfillment of His Word. Now I believe in doing my civil duty. But after I've done my civil duty, it's up to God. God's going to have a man in office that He wants there for the reason at that time. Because fulfillment of His Word is going to take place. What are you saying? I'm saying before I preach, teach, or do whatever it is I'm about to try to do, we need to leave here today remembering that we need the house of God. Amen. I I think I could just say amen, close with a prayer, and we could go to lunch. We need the house of God. Amen. Galatians chapter 4. I got some of you excited about dismissing early. Sorry to disappoint you. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 6. The Bible says, And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son than an heir of God through Christ. Let's pray. Father, I love you. So thankful, God, for the blessing of reading your word this morning. Lord, I ask you to take the anointing of your word and apply it to our hearts and lives today. Anoint these lips to speak the word of God and that only. Help me to declare your word and your voice today for this people and will not fail to praise you when it's over and give you the glory and the honor for it. In Jesus' name. Lord bless you. You may be seated this morning. I want to talk to you this morning, preach, teach, or whatever. It doesn't make any difference to me. On this subject, beneficiary. Beneficiary. It's important for us to understand this morning in the onset of this, uh, this word today that, that God never changes. He hasn't changed. Matter of fact, he told us in his word that he wouldn't change. Hebrews 13 and 8 declares Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. I know you can quote it with me this morning. He is the same. The problem we oftentimes have with God and with the church is we are serving God in a church whose beliefs stem back 2,000 plus years. And we're living in a microwave society. We're living in a nuclear spiritual society that wants everything today. They want self-gratification. They want to be pleased. They want to be happy. Let me tell you something today. I'm happy even whenever I'm convicted. I still need conviction. And before... Before too many halos pop up out there staring at me, you still need conviction. I'm thankful today for the word of God we heard from Pastor last Sunday evening. Uh, I left here convicted. Bishop, I've been pondering it all week. I left convicted last Sunday night in a way that I've not felt conviction in a long time. I won't tell you how long. None of your business but I left here feeling conviction because he touched on some areas that got my attention. And I had to say to myself at the conclusion of that service, I've got some adjustments I need to do. Ladies and gentlemen, if you ever reach a point in your walk with God that you're never making course correction, don't worry about it, Satan's already got you. I need a course correction. God is the map. I need somebody to declare the directions for me. I don't know it all. Now some of you that are here this morning that pride yourself in always knowing everything and being the jack of all trades, master of nothing, you need to understand also and get it into your spirit. You don't know it all either. And just because we attend church I didn't mean to get off on a negative note this morning But we need to understand Just because we attend service We clap our hands a little bit And we patty cake for God for an hour or so That does not mean you're saved We can still come to church every service and be lost Now granted if You come to church every service You've got a whole lot better chance of being saved But that doesn't save you. But he never changes. He is the same today. I want you to look at your neighbor this morning and I want you to tell him sincerely if you want to participate, if you're willing to participate this morning, I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them he's the same as he was when he saved me. I want you to look at the other neighbor this morning if you've got one. And if you don't, look at the same one and tell him he hasn't changed. So now that we've acknowledged that he's no different, I ask you a disturbing question this morning that is meant in rhetoric, not meant to anger, not meant to provoke, but I want to provoke you to thinking this morning. I ask you this simple question, are you different today than you were when he saved you? I'm not talking closer to Him. Are we different in our worship today than we were then? Are we different in our attention to Him than we were then? Because it's something to me, Bishop, if He hasn't changed, then why, in the name of good sense, do we change? If I'm praising him with all I've got at the moment he gives me salvation, then after I come to an understanding of his word, I ought to be still found praising him with everything I've got. But what happens? We get mature in our Christianity. And we leave that to a different generation. If he healed the blind then, he'll heal the blind now. If he healed the lame then, he'll heal the lame now. If he healed all manner of sickness and disease then, he'll still do it today. God is a healer of mankind. I thank you for your prayers for my mother. Uh, it's, it's quite the, the trying situation that they are going through. Uh, and, and, and it's, it's, it's disturbing to, to hear my father on the other end of the phone say, well, the doctor came in and they said they really don't know. That's, that's disturbing. Uh, but I, I tell you something that I am personally holding on to. My family is holding on to. The last time we were at my my family's church, I don't know how long it's been, a month or so ago, a couple months ago, I preached there on a a Sunday, and uh, we had had good church. And at the conclusion of that service, we laid hands on her, Bishop, and we prayed for her, and the Holy Ghost fell in the house. Now, I'll tell you this morning, she's not healed yet, that we know of. According to the doctors, she still has the symptoms. But we have every right and authority to declare the word of God. So this morning I am standing on the word of God. And at that point God is God. He'll do whatever he wants to. Amen. I am not declaring my salvation based on whether or not she gets healed. Now, pardon me for if i sound rude and crass this morning but my mother's healing as great as i want it and as much as i want it that that has no contingency on my soul god's still a healer and if he he's going to heal her one way or the other it's just a matter of whether that healing is is uh, is, is is to my liking or not god is a healer if he never heals you or me again, he's still a healer. But there is, oh, I feel a sweet spirit of the Lord here this morning. Let me tell you something. I, I, don't, I don't worship to get something from God. If you come to church, and, and, and again, I'm probably being a little more blunt this morning than I intended, and I apologize for that. But if you come to church to worship God to get something, you're not worshiping That's not worship. Worship with the intent to receive is not worship. Worship is me telling him how much worth he has. And I can't tell him how great he is at the same time I'm saying please. Please. My worship to him has got to just be pure, undefiled. I love you. It don't matter what you do for me. You saved me. Woo! That's enough. I've got your Holy Ghost with me. I've been buried in your name. I've repented of God. You don't have to do another thing for me. Just let me praise you. Woo! Hallelujah greatest greatest of all miracles is the salvation of a soul the word of God is the highway by which we travel the road to salvation to get to the right destination we have to take the right road Jesus went to great lengths to teach us about salvation the four gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are packed full of the teachings of Jesus Christ Jesus, we find in the book of John chapter 7 was attending a feast of the Jews called the Feast of Tabernacles. It's a solid week of joyful celebration. Celebrating the harvest that God had given them in the fields. Feast lasted eight days where all they did was eat and celebrate. Now let me tell you something, that's dangerous. I probably collectively have eight days over the holiday seasons were that I feast and celebrate. And then the rest of the year I pay for it. So I don't know how they do it because they've got feast after feast after feast. But I guess their diet's a little different than mine. Maybe that's the trick. John chapter 7 and verse number 37 reads, In the last day, it's on the eighth day of the feast, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, If any man thirst.'" Somebody shout, Thirst! Thirst. Let him come unto me and drink. What he is saying is, you just don't come to me on your own. Something has to draw you. Something has to grip you and pull you to God. And Jesus calls this thirst. He says in verse number 38, He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said. That's important. As the scripture has said. How many times do you take somebody else's word for something? We seek opinions. Especially men, if you've got something to repair or fix, we call somebody, oh, why do you think about this? I know I do because I don't know a whole lot. You've got to seek outside counsel. What do you think about this? Oh, I think you need to do it this way, and everybody's everybody has an opinion. Not all of them's right. Probably sometimes my opinion's not right. I mean, if, if we're just getting honest, I didn't say yours wasn't right. I said mine wasn't. But we've all got one. But yet Jesus said, "He that believeth on me as." The Scripture hath said. Every Christmas and Easter season, the network stations such as Discovery, National Geographic, all put out specials called Who is Jesus? They question the validity of the Bible. They bring up supposed historical facts to try to dispute, disapprove the deity of Jesus Christ. Scientists are constantly focused on trying to provide observations that go against the Bible. Philosophers offer their theories questioning the faith of Christianity. Intellectuals are often questioning God's Word. Colossians 2 in verse number 8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. What happens... Is people, I've seen this in dealing with with teenagers and, and college age students for a number of years. I could always tell when they wanted to do something because I could tell by who they sought counsel with. If their heart was right, now just hear me this morning. Not saying that I've got all the answers or that my wife has all the answers. But if their heart and their intentions were right, they would either come to us, they'd go to Bishop, Sister McGee, they go to pastor and sister, they go to somebody. Some spiritual guide to give them something from the word of God. But if they wanted to manipulate the response, they sought counsel from their peers who were not in church. They sought counsel from friends' mothers who were not in church. Let me tell you something. If if, If there's a certain standard of this church that you don't want to abide by, you ask anybody who's not in this church, and they'll tell you, oh, yeah, that's not necessary. Well, it don't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. We seek counsel sometimes to get the answers we want. So we've, we've got to be careful. Because if you're really being sincere, you'll seek counsel from the place that has the answer. But he continues on after the tradition of men, I could stop there and spend another half hour, but I can't. After the rudiments, that's a a word that just simply means teachings of the world and not after Christ. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. What's that translate as? Don't let anybody take you from Christ by telling you what you want to hear. Just because you hear it doesn't mean it's right. Just because they say it doesn't mean it's right. And let me tell you something this morning. Just because they stand behind a pulpit and have a suit and a necktie on doesn't mean it's right either. That's why we tell you, get in your word. You need to keep me in check. I'll stand before God for every word I tell you this morning. And, and years ago, I had to become good with that. That will scare the snot out of you. but you will also stand before God for what you say yea or nay to. Now, he continues on in verse number 9, probably perhaps one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and he continues, he goes from saying, uh, don't don't be spoiled, don't be deceived, and he says, for. If you don't think that the oneness of the Godhead is important, you, you can tie it to everything that we believe. He says, for in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of deity. He is God in body form. And that's why Jesus said in John 7, 38, He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said. Because He was surrounded by a group of people that did not believe in Him. He was surrounded by family. He was surrounded by relatives. He was surrounded by friends. He was surrounded by people that for 30 years he grew up being a a carpenter's son and now all of a sudden he's walking on water. What kind of magic is this? They did not believe he was Messiah. They did not believe he was their Savior. So he tells us, He that believeth on me as the Scripture has said. The Bible declares to us that the Word of God is of no private interpretation. So if you're really sincere in your pursuit for God, then your pursuit for God has to include what the Scripture says. <clears throat> what else does the Scripture say about Jesus? It says that He is Emmanuel, God with us. It says that He is our Father. It says that Jesus is the I Am. It says that Jesus is God in Christ. Because that's what the Scripture says. It doesn't matter what somebody else says. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. You must believe on Him as the Scripture says. John chapter 1 and verse number 1, a very favored verse among us, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse number 14 says, The Word, God, became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten, or born, Of the Father, full of grace and truth. We believe on Him as the Scripture says. What sets us apart from others? What the Scripture says. Plain and simple. The single solitary thing that sets us apart from others is not our dress code. Because that is simply a component of what the Scripture says. I got some of you's attention on that one. Yes, our dress code sets us apart, but that's not the intention of it. The reason it sets us apart is because we teach, believe, and live what the Scripture says. That's just a component. Holiness starts in here. And you can have, you you, you really can't have true holiness in here and not on the outside. But you can have holiness on the outside and not in here. And still be lost. So it's important to have it in the right place because that's what the scripture says. John chapter 4 tells us that Jesus is the giver of living water and you'll never thirst again. Matthew 16 tells us that he is the rock and we build our life on it and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Revelations 1 chapter 1 and chapter 22 tells us that he is the first and the last. John 18 tells us that he is the I am. Matthew 2 says he is the king. John 10 says he is the shepherd. Jude 1 25 and many others tells us he is our redeemer and our savior. Somebody shout Jesus this morning. John 1 and 10 says Jesus is our creator. So he that cometh to God, must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. How do we seek Him? As the Scripture says. Let's go back now to John chapter 7 and verse number 38. Brother Malone, don't worry about it right now. I'm getting a slow start on my marathon. John 7 and 38 says, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Will flow. This is... Now, he is not talking about somebody regurgitating a flow of water. There is not a literal flow of water. It's a parable he's speaking of. And he is talking about getting the Spirit of God into your innermost man. And from that, out of your belly will flow. What's flowing? The Holy Ghost. How do we know the Holy Ghost is in you? It's evidenced by speaking in tongues. When you speak in tongues, receiving the Holy Ghost, out of your belly, out of your spirit, out of your heart, is flowing the rivers of God. And Jesus declared, When you believe on me as the Scripture has said, out of your belly will flow. Verse number 39, he continues, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. But the Holy Ghost would be so strong and surge in us so powerfully that it would spring forth. And from it there would have an abundance. Out of all the teachings of Jesus Christ, the greatest teaching was about the greatest miracle that he performs in a life. And we find it in John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse number 1. It says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. In essence, Nicodemus is saying, I believe in you, but right now I don't want anybody to know it. Notice what Jesus says in verse number 3. He says, Verily, verily, which just means truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born again. This perplexed Nicodemus because he could not grasp what does it mean to be born again. Nicodemus, we must understand, and all the Jews based their entire religious experience and salvation on one doctrine, and that was that they were the children of Abraham. Just because they were born a Jew and kept the law of Moses in the Old Testament, that in itself to them meant eternal salvation so Jesus just rocked his world and took everything that he thought was right and just threw it out the window and he said if you're not born again you can't see the kingdom of God your birth as a Jew now means nothing you must be born again verse number 4 Nicodemus said unto him how can a man be born when he is old Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. You see, that coincides with our Acts chapter 2 salvation. We are born of water and of Spirit. He says he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then he says that... Which is born of the flesh Is flesh And that which is born of the spirit Is spirit That's easy enough to understand What's what's born of flesh is flesh A mother gives birth to a baby It's flesh And that which is born of spirit Notice the the capital S there Denotes the spirit of God The lowercase S Denotes the spirit of man That which is born of God Spirit is spirit. Now, if we go to John 3 and we see Jesus deal with the very same thing, remember Nicodemus had come declaring that he believed in him, but now Nicodemus is having doubts. Now Nicodemus is backtracking and not sure about what Jesus is telling him because it's not what he expected. How many times have you come to church and you didn't hear what you expected? We struggle sometimes because we don't hear what we think we should hear. Amen. We don't hear what we want to hear. Well, that preaching was just a little too straight for me. Well, would you rather hear it straight and have an opportunity to course correct or whether, would you rather have some uh, some weak-kneed, Millie mouthed man standing up here saying everybody's good. Just pat yourself on the back. Y'all been good this week. You will, Lord bless you. We'll see you at lunch. And never, never tell you the truth of the word of God. Would you rather have a hireling to tell you what you want to hear, tickle your ears, make you feel good, and lead you straight to hell than to have somebody that will tell you the truth of the word of God and leave it up to you to make it. Because there's no man that stands behind this sacred desk that's ever going to make it to heaven for you. He's simply going to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, and let God do the work. So we turn now to John chapter 3 and verse number 7, and we see that he said, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Marvel not. Don't don't let this stump you. Don't get hung up on this. Don't let this trick you or or trip you in your walk. Don't lose me now. Marvel not. And then he deals directly with being born again again. And he likens the wind to the Spirit of God. And he says, the wind bloweth where it listeth, where it pleases. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone of the Spirit, everyone that is born of the Spirit. Everyone that is born of the Spirit is going to have the kind of experience that this parable is teaching. And Jesus said earlier that unless you are born of water and of the Spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So this compels us to understand what this parable means. It's important. It's important. Have, have you ever, and I know the answer to this already, I'm just asking out of courtesy, but have you ever not understood something? doesn't matter what it is. It could be something at work, on the job, on the news, on TV, whatever. Have you ever not understood something, and instead of digging in and taking the time to understand it, you just tuned it out? I, I know you have, because you're human. We do that sometimes, because it's not worth the time investment. and we do that in church preacher gets a little deep for you and you you come wanting cornflakes and you're getting ribeye we come in and I don't know what he's talking about so I'm just not going to listen and we twiddle dee and twiddle dumb in our head until church is over and then we come back wondering why we're struggling You'll struggle a lot less in your walk with God if you'll understand what God is telling you. The Apostle Paul said, when I I was a child, I spake as a child. But when I became a man, I I, I put away childish things. In other words, that was one of the more polite times that Paul's speaking because I think he's the most blunt person that ever walked on the face of the planet. One of the more polite statements that he ever made that was basically saying, grow up. If, if you're a mature person, don't expect a kindergarten teaching. Let me tell you what happens. This is the trick of the enemy. What happens is if we come in here and we dumb it down and we, we teach like you're first grade level, the first thing you're going to do is get offended. Well, they're insulting my intelligence. I'm smarter than that. But if we come in here and teach the word of God like it is, I'm just like, I didn't understand a word of that. Really? Why? Because you have responsibility in the matter. I I, I lost half of you already. You've tuned me out, and that's okay. But you... For what I'm teaching this morning, preach it, whatever you want to call it, you have responsibility in the matter. It is not my responsibility to follow you home and make sure you listen. It's your responsibility. So we have this relationship with God. We obtain, we obtain it by understanding what the Scripture has said. We're taught in school, in, in class. I can remember being in class and, and listening, and uh, at least the teachers who cared did. Uh, if anybody doesn't understand, raise your hand. You know, they wanted to give an opportunity to clarify. Well, we have the same opportunity with the Word of God. Some things... Many things in life are best. I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't go to your pastor and, and ask. I'm not saying you shouldn't come to Bishop and ask. That's between you and them. But I find in my walk with God, I retain things a whole lot better if I allow God an opportunity to reveal it to me. Bishop can talk to me till I'm blue in the face, but that doesn't mean I'm going to listen. But if God reaffirms to me what is spoken across this sacred desk... It's locked in. Nobody's taking that away from me. I've got it. What, what, what are you saying? I, I'm, I'm saying in our walk with God, we shouldn't always have to be counseled. Not that there aren't times for it, but if, if you're not getting it across an oak desk, you're not going to get it across a sacred desk. We need to allow the Word of God to saturate us. as the scripture has said. It's important that we understand. I know I'm being super repetitive this morning, but it's important that we understand that our walk with God, everything we are, everything we aren't, is based on what the scripture said And if the Bible doesn't say it, declare it, or imply it, leave it alone. So Nicodemus continues to talk to Jesus and he continues to play the role of the confused person. And he says, "Well, how can these things be?" And Jesus Jesus answers in verse number 10. He says, "Art thou a master of Israel? And knowest not these things?" Nicodemus was a teacher. He knew the Old Testament. He knew that the prophet Isaiah had said for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. He knew that the prophet Joel had said and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Nicodemus was a master of Israel, a teacher of the Old Testament so now Jesus is challenging him and he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, this is Jesus continuing, he says, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? That's pretty basic, plain speaking. If I tell you that the sky is blue and you constantly want to argue and say that the sky is gray, then if you won't believe me in the natural things, how are you going to believe me in the spiritual things? My dad used to tell me when I was a kid that I would argue with the signpost. I finally got old enough to realize that wasn't a compliment. I hope I've changed a little bit. I hope. Verse number 13, he says, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Jesus is speaking of himself. He brings up an Old Testament account of the children of Israel in the wilderness. The people of Israel spoke against God. They spoke against Moses. So God sent fiery serpents among them. The people were dying from snake bites. They cried out to God. This is found in Numbers chapter 21. They cried out to God, or they cried out to Moses, rather, for God's mercy. So God told Moses to make a serpent of brass on the pole and lift it up for them to see. Moses did it, and when the people looked at the brass serpent on the pole, they were healed. To this, Jesus says in verse number 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Isn't it amazing how he intertwines the Old Testament and the New Testament together? You can find Jesus and salvation intertwined throughout the entire Old Testament 4,000 years prior to. Not a coincidence. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. I'm going to stop right there. Uh, Would you stand with me this morning? I, I have something else prepared for this evening It may very well pick up where we left off this morning because the, the, the finish to this is uh, one of the more important pieces to tie together to us. We are beneficiaries of this great salvation. And we really need to lock that into our thinking When we leave the house of God The house of God should not leave us And I I think about about this often And and I think it's worth saying It's worth noting Aside from the obvious And this is not intended If you're listening by way of the internet This is not intended to be a disparaging remark against anyone But aside from the obvious We are not like any other church Let me tell you why Because we are not in the church business To just be social We are not in the church business To just come Hear a little rule Hear a little law Hear a little grace And go home we are in the church business number one to be saved but number two we are in the church business to save as many people as we can because the scripture has told us that hell hath enlarged herself beyond measure so Coming to church is important. Worship is important. Matter of fact, it's so important that I I would declare to you this morning, I don't want to end on a sour note, but uh, again, it's important. If you used to shout, you don't shout, you need to get closer to God. If you used to dance, and you no longer dance, and you're physically capable, you're not, I think God understands that. As Pastor often says, God's a gentleman. But He also knows what we're capable of and what we're not. Then you need some course correction in your life. Because we are beneficiaries of some, something that is very awesome and that is very powerful. And, and uh, if I feel this evening like I feel right now, we're going to continue in this vein. And we're going to close with fully understanding what we are beneficiaries of because I think it's that important. We are beneficiaries. Could you lift your hands and just... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.